So here we are. Here we are. Uh, we're going to examine the life of, um, uh, wow, I just looked at the clock. All right, here we go. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 through 35. Here we go. It says, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon. Here's this honorable mention. It says, man, there's so much more I could say about Gideon. This is the guy who had 30,000 people, started with a congregation of 30,000, and God said, you don't need 30,000, all you need is 300. And in one day, his congregation went from 30,000 to 300, and God did more with less. Lost 29,700 people in one day, and God says, what you got left? is all you need. It's in the deleted scenes. Because the God we serve is not the God of what you lost. He's the God of what you got left. That's Gideon's story. But all he gets in Hebrews 11 is an honorable mention. There's Barak, who was charged to go into battle. Come on, somebody say girl power. And Barak said, Deborah, I ain't going into battle if you don't come with me. Because Deborah was both a judge and prophetess, even though Barak was a commander of the army. Said, girl, I ain't going nowhere without you. Husbands, we can learn a lesson for two from Barak. Say, girl, if you ain't in this with me, I ain't doing it. It's in the book of Judges. Deleted scenes. Oh, oh, there's more. There's Jephthah. There's, notice, David, man, the most celebrated king of Israel, all he gets, man, in Hebrews 11. An honorable mention. But there are dozens of chapters devoted to the life and legacy and the faith of David. In, in fact, probably about 75% of the book of Psalms are David's love songs, his songs of worship to God. It's in the deleted scenes. Samuel and all the prophets. Notice what these people did by faith. Not because they had the right connections. Not because they had the right hookup. Not because they had the right family name. They did it all by faith. Trusting many times illogical instructions. You know what that says to us today? You too can live a life of legacy if you simply choose to take God at his word. Whether you're a shepherd boy confronting a giant that nobody else said. In fact, if, I don't even want to get into the story of David. Notice what these people did by faith. Simple acts of trust and obedience. Notice what they did, verse 33. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice. They received what God promised them. Come on, somebody. They shut the mouths of lions. Somebody say Daniel. By faith. Any lions chasing you? Any lion-like conflict in your life? How do you win over it? By faith. Uh, uh, Notice, notice, their names aren't mentioned like Daniel's name isn't mentioned. But verse 34 says, by faith, they quenched the flames of fire. 
Anybody feel like you're going through fire? A fiery trial? That's a reference to Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad Negro. Oh, my bad. Sorry. It came out wrong. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How did they do it? By faith. Abednego had an afro like shaft, man. I can see it right now, man. He's like, do do do, do do do, do. Walking around in that fire with his bell bottoms, platform shoes. That's what I see. <laughs> Y'all know it's true. I got to get to my message. It says they escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. How did it happen? By faith. You feeling weak today? About to throw in the towel and give up? By faith, you can turn it around. It says they became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Come on, somebody. Verse 35. This is for the sisters. It says women received their loved ones back again from death. Come on, somebody. Women! Received their loved ones back from death by faith. There ain't nothing like the persistence and the tenacity of a mama who knows God. Nothing like it. That they will look at a dead child and cry out to God and say, touch my baby. And that's why I've titled this message, Just Because It's Dead Doesn't Mean It's Over. I came to declare resurrection to dead things in your life. Because that's what the Spirit of God does. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So here's one woman out of many, out of many. Notice it says women, not there was a woman, but women, come on somebody, received their loved ones back again from death by faith. And we're going to read about one of these women from 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse number 8. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. And we'll begin reading at verse number eight. Uh, I've got my New King James. Can you put New King James on the screen? I know you've got NLT probably, but we'll go with New King James because that's what I have here. And the story begins, the narrative begins in verse eight concerning the faith of the Shunammite woman. And it reads, now it happened that one day Elisha went to Shunam. I like how stories begin with that phrase. It just happened. May I say to you that many of us miss what God is doing because sometimes the miracle is cloaked and disguised in the ordinary. We often look for God in the spectacular. 
We often look for an angelic announcement. We look for a booming voice from heaven. And sometimes our miracle is unfolding before our very eyes in the ordinary. And that's why the writer of Hebrews encouraged us to entertain strangers. Because we might be entertaining angels unaware. In fact, my first point as we examine this woman's story is that she did three things that positioned her for her miracle. But it wasn't like she was walking around, God, give me a miracle. God, give me a miracle. It was her daily posture toward God and people that positioned her for a miracle she wasn't even asking for. Point number one, if you're going to live out the resurrection power of God and experience everyday miracles, the secret is found in your daily routine. Can I say it this way? If you want to see God show up in your life daily, become a noticer. Live your life more aware. Not just of what is happening to you, because that's where we get tunnel vision, where our lives revolve around what's happening to us, what we want to happen for us, and our lives get really small and myopic when the miracle is connected to my ability to notice what is happening around me in the ordinary. Now it happened. Just happened. Just an ordinary day, and this lady unintentionally is positioning herself for a miracle from God. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman. One translation says a wealthy woman. Another translation says she was a woman of means. This is an anomaly. Because most times in the Old Testament in particular, a woman's identity was tied to her husband. (laughs) Let me pump the brakes and talk to the men for a second. You better be secure enough to allow your wife to have an identity apart from you. Y'all don't like that one, eh? Because long before she was your wife, she was a daughter of God. Anointed, appointed, called, equipped, created, and fashioned by God to do something exceptional in the earth. And here we read of a woman who was a wealthy woman, had her own money, who was a notable woman, a woman with reputation, a woman with influence. Don't be tripping because your wife make more money than you. Don't even know how to act. Don't even know how to act because your wife make more money than you. Grow up. In fact, you should celebrate the fact that she's conquering the world and living out the purpose for which she was created. This woman was notable and wealthy all by herself. Man, there's something I won't say, but let me leave it. I'm not supposed to say what happened in Fight Club. All I'm going to say is we've been getting into some stuff 
that's been flipping how most of us has been taught about the relationship between a man and a woman. Because many of us got it twisted in how we see the relationship between a husband and a wife positionally. This woman had her own money. Lord Jesus, help me. Everyday miracles. Just doing and being who she was. Notice what she did. It says where there was a notable woman and she persuaded him to eat some food. Oh, I like that. Talk about the prophet. Feed the man of God. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. But let me, let me, let me, let me say this. Let me say this. A lot of pastors be tripping. Because most of us live with a sense of entitlement. I'm the man of God, bow down, kiss my pinky ring. Don't you know who I am? Take care of my entourage. We travel four deep. Pay our airfare. Pick me up from the airport. Don't speak to the man of God. Because you might grieve the Holy Spirit and the anointing. I'm talk, telling you real stuff. Put him on a pedestal. And I promise you, they be tripping when you try to take him down too, though, off the pedestal. Notice what the scripture said. She had to persuade the man of God to even come into her house for a meal. Man of God wasn't looking for no handouts. Wasn't looking for no freebies because he was an honorable man. If you read other translations, it says she persuaded him repeatedly to even come into the house for a meal. And many of us have come up in cultures. Let me leave that alone. Church cultures. Where we, where we, <laughs> man, it, it blows my mind. How, how people respond to abusive leaders. And the more they abuse people, the more they do for them. And then when you, when you say stuff like, at City Church, everybody does the dishes. Forget Pastor Ray or Wendy, man. Let them do it themselves. We have been told that. Let them go get that themselves. And if you put those same people in another place, where they are abusing them and misusing them, oh, Pastor, uh, 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 let me just leave that alone. <laughs> let me just leave that alone. Because I know people who have served those kind of pastors. And I've seen their response to abusive pastors. And I've seen how they respond to pastors who choose to be servant leaders the way Jesus did. Not to be served, but to serve. Man, that's just rare and windy. And people who have that attitude, the problem is I I can't help you. As much as I would like to help you, I can't help you because in your eyes, that's just rare and windy. Got nothing to tell me. Anyway, uh, she had to persuade him to even come and eat because he didn't need to live off the charity. Let me tell you how past some pastors do. Man, that woman got money. Uh, let me see what I'm going to name this offering. Oh, um, 
when I come to your house, woman of God, I need you to prepare an Isaiah 54, 17 offering. <laughs> it needs to be $5,417 or $54,170 because they've seen somebody they can take advantage of. But Elisha was such a man of integrity that he did what God told him to do. And it took the persuasion of a wealthy woman for him to even come and have one meal. Nevertheless, this woman positioned herself for her miracle because of her generosity. She had no idea what this simple act of generosity was going to do. The man of God didn't ask for it, but she saw the man of God and said, come into my home for a meal had no idea that she was positioning herself for a miracle. And number two, it says, so it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. It wasn't just a one-time thing. But this lady was generous enough that she opened her heart and her home to the man of God. Generosity always positions you for everyday miracles. I wish I could talk about that some more, but I'm not going to. Number two, number two, verse nine. <laughs> she said, and she said to her husband, look, now I know this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please, let me pop the pigs right there. You got to go talk to the women who be tripping just because they make more money than their husband. She had her own money, had her own pockets, but didn't use that as an occasion to disrespect her husband. Didn't use that as an occasion to do whatever she wanted to do, whenever she wanted to do it. Notice what she did because she understood the right order of things. Wasn't spending money the way she wanted it because it was her money. Came to her husband and said, hey, baby, can we do this? Please. Let me tell you where the problems start. Woman got her own money, thinks she can do whatever, and starts belittling her husband. This thing goes both ways. Let a woman have her identity apart from her husband. Don't, don't be tripping just because you got your own money. And disrespect the order of things as God has ordained it. Oh, we don't like that one too much. Eh? It's right there. Came to her husband and said, hey, baby, can we do this? Had her own money. And said, baby, is it okay? We position ourselves for everyday miracles, not only because of our generosity, but because of our humility. I got my own money, but I'm going to submit to God's order. And God's order says, I can have my own money, but it doesn't mean I do what I want to do whenever I want to do it. Be tripping. Hiding money. Not in this story. Uh, she positioned herself for an everyday miracle because of her generosity, because of her humility, 
But notice what she said. It said there's a, uh, 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 I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Somebody say honor. Honor. Honor is something you demonstrate. Not because of what people have done to you or what they've done for you, but because of who you are. Just be honorable. Even when people are dishonorable to you. Be honorable. And this woman saw this guy and said, this guy's a man of God. I can't just let this guy pass by and go in and out of our town. Let's build him a room. And let's furnish that room for him. Because she had a heart of honor. She had no idea that she was positioning herself for a miracle. Just by doing ordinary things. Now, even though she was wealthy, she had a deficit in her life that her wealth couldn't fill. Sometimes in life you need a miracle that money cannot buy. And sometimes it's the attitude and the posture of our heart that positions us for a miracle. I'm going to wrap this up. Give me five minutes. We'll pick up the sequel next week because I can't get through all of it. But notice what happens in verse 10. It says, please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in here. Now, whenever he comes through, he ain't got to worry about booking a hotel, hotels.com, booking.com. He's got a place to stay whenever he comes into Shunem. When was the last time? When was the last time you really stopped long enough to say, you know what? You were aware enough of a need around you that you didn't only feed the person who had the need walking back and forth. But you went the extra mile and said, man, I'm going to feed you and I'm going to give you a place to stay. A lot of times when it comes to generosity, we like to flip nickels. And that's why I'm so blessed by Tony and Patty's generosity. We're going to sponsor these kids for a full year. That's what's happening in this passage. Uh, hey, man, here's a, here's a happy meal, man. Going to be all right. Let's become the kind of church that goes the extra mile with our generosity. Because as we do these things, we are positioning ourselves for our own miracle, for God to do for us what we are unable to do for ourselves. I promise you I'm about to wrap up. Verse 11, and it happened once again <laughs> that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. Verse 12, then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. And when he called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, say now to her, look, <laughs> you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? I'm talking about the things you need in your life right now that no amount of money can do for you. 
Because point number two is not only position yourself for a miracle, but God will always reciprocate what you initiate. Listen to me, City Church. God will always, without fail, reciprocate what you initiate. God will always, without fail, reciprocate what you initiate. And because this woman showed the prophet generosity and kindness, he says, now, what can I do for you? Ah, Father, I'm out of time. I'm out of time. I'm out of time. I'm going to let y'all go. But there is a powerful exchange that happens. <laughs> ah, when we begin to live our life more aware of what is happening around us. And no, notice what, what the story says. Uh, uh, what, what, what can we do for you? At verse 12, and he said to Gehazi, or verse 13, uh, uh, and he said to her, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander? He said, man, look, I know people. Do you want me to talk to the king? Do you talk? And, and sometimes what we think we need is more connections and more hookups. Notice the woman's response. So she says uh, uh, to him, uh, no, she said, man, I dwell upon the, among the people. Uh, one translation says, no, I'm fine. I'm well taken care of. So Gehazi says to her, what then is to be done? I mean, Elisha says to Gehazi, what then is to be done for this woman? And Gehazi answered. It says, actually, she got all this money. She's a notable woman, but she has no husband. I mean, she has no son and her husband is old. Come on, somebody. There are people here this morning who need a miracle from God that money can buy. But notice how she even got to this point. It was just being a noticer every single day, and she positioned herself for a miracle. She wasn't asking for it. She wasn't begging for it. But because of the generosity and kindness and humility and honor she showed to the prophet, now she's about to get something that is her deepest desire. Because God always reciprocates what we initiate. Now notice her response, and I promise you this is where I close, because this is where we're going to pick up next week. Because faith, let me not get ahead of myself. Let me just read this to you. Verse 15, so Gehazi called her, or Elisha called her and said, or uh, so he said, call her. So this is Elisha speaking to his servant, Gehazi. He says to Gehazi, call the woman. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Verse 16 says, then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. <laughs> and notice her response. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, don't lie to your maidservant. One translation says, don't do this to me and get my hopes up. 
Let me tell you something about the life of faith. The life of faith will always face fear and disappointment head on. And next week when we come, I'm going to talk to this church and my church. Because if you've been alive for any amount of time, I know that you have grappled with the uncertainty and the sting of disappointment. Man, stop messing with me. Don't play with me because I don't want to get my hopes up and walk away disappointed. We're going to pick up this woman's story. Again, the title of this message is Just Because It's Dead. Mm, Spitting all over myself. Doesn't mean it's over. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name.